the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the program, the Friday edition of The Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. But today I'm coming to you from a cold and wet Houston, Texas at the Texas-Oklahoma Pastors Conference. Um, I will not be teaching tonight at home. Pastor Brian Jones will be teaching uh, the Friday Night Bible Study at our church. We'd invite you to come and enjoy what Brian is going to bring. As you know, this is a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering questions, um, questions about the Bible, questions about uh, your church, questions about life, whatever's going on in your life, we'll do the best that we can to answer your questions. All you need to do is call us. You can dial 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, that's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. If you are driving in your car, and I understand it was raining in San Antonio and it's cold there too, so if it's a little bit dangerous, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app by using the hands-free feature. You hit the call now banner at the top of the screen and you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Our main number one more time is 340-9585. Well, as I said, we are in Houston at the Texas Oklahoma Pastors Conference and as we do every year from Houston, I thought it'd be a great idea to get somebody who is a lot smarter than I am on the program with me today. So I invited an old friend, uh, Bob Claycamp, and I didn't mean old. I mean, we're old. If the shoe fits, huh? Yeah, okay. There we go. Uh, my friends are old because I'm old. Uh, but Bob Claycamp, who is involved with Poimon Ministries, and we're going to talk about that a little bit, and we'll see what happens. Again, we encourage your phone calls and questions, whatever they are. But until you call, we're just going to talk. Bob, welcome to the show. Great. It's great to be here. This is great. Why don't you share with the audience a little bit about your background? Yeah, um, my wife and I became believers back in 1969 up in the northwest, Portland, Oregon. And we had uh, run into a group that had come from Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, who had moved up to Oregon. And we became involved with that youth ministry for the next eight and a half years, uh, based in Oregon, but it ended up spreading all over the United States. And then in um, 1978, we moved down to Arizona, and I sold insurance for a while, uh, but we had been so involved in ministry, I ended up not selling so much, but ministering to people while I'm out there, you know, starving to death. <laughs> and so um, then in 1981, we started a Bible study where I was the worship leader, and another fellow was doing the study, and he kept being tied up, and he couldn't teach on that evening, so I ended up giving the Bible study, and 
the Lord began to speak to my heart saying, listen, these people need, um, they need to be ministered to. And so I want you to step forward here. So I'm 30 years old, starting a Bible study in a home, <laughs> and there's all these people showing up, and it doesn't make sense to me. Why would they be here? And wait till they know everything I know, and then they're going to leave, you know, and that's going to be six months, and then we're done. <laughs> but, uh, but the whole thing unfolded. Calvary Chapel, North Phoenix, was birthed there. Uh, for, we were there for 29 years. And then in 2010, turned the church over to our second son, Jesse, the board, and I agreed it was time for a younger pastor to step in and take over. And so uh, my son had been on staff for 17 years um, at a Bible college. And so he has been the pastor there, Jesse Claycamp, um, since 2010, doing, doing fine, doing a great job. But that freed my wife and I to be able to go around and help out other pastors, especially younger pastors, and their wives. So for the first time, my wife and I kind of set up as a, a team to go and minister specifically to senior pastors and their wives and give them uh, perspective, uh, offer assistance. And my wife's part in it was was huge because... While there's a lot of ministry going on to pastors, sometimes the wives get left behind and, mm, sure. and they don't uh, have a chance to just freely open up into a safe space. You know, and my wife is very relational and, and it's, it's become a great team. And so we ended up joining this small group of uh, seasoned Calvary pastors who had been pastoring at least 30 years or more. And um, it opened up doors for us to go um, all over the country and meet other pastors, especially of smaller churches and in smaller communities, not necessarily exclusively, but um, it was just it was just energizing because uh, th there was a new sense of, uh, of purpose and, and taking all that God had done in us. And we were able just to not pass it along, not not being the answer man, but just listening, understanding, um, hearing their heart, uh, praying with them, and helping them process, you know, what's going on in their life. Um, sometimes it was to step into a train wreck and try yeah. to sort it all out, uh, you know, and that, those are so hard. Mm -hmm. And you can't please everybody, and somebody's going to get mad at you. But... Um, Eventually, that led us over to the UK to help out. And so for the past almost seven years, we've been living in the UK. We sold everything here, moved over to the UK, um, raised up uh, support to be like a missionary pastor. And uh, then last year, I had a heart attack, and uh, we knew it was time to transition the church over to a British leader. And so we did that and just moved back about a month ago. Isn't the heart and the most difficult thing is, is saying goodbye? And you've done it now a couple of times to, yeah. to your church in North yeah. Phoenix and, yeah. and to the church oh, at yeah. the, in the UK. It's so emotional, isn't it? Yeah, it, it catches you off guard. You think, well, okay, um, I know what to do. Uh, you know, we'll just do A, B, C, D. And, but, but there's this whole issue of relationships that goes deep in your heart. And it's family. And you just don't, it's not a business yeah. It's it's family. It's it's relationships. It's a sense of community and your life is involved with them. Their life is involved with you. And it's uh, it's hard. It's a tearing for sure. Yeah. Uh, one of the constant messages I hope the audience on this program gets is that um, uh, this is what church is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be something you go do. It's something that you're a part of. Yeah. And it becomes a part of you. And, and being in church for the Christian ought to be something that is indispensable. Uh, it, it's just like breathing oxygen, you know, it's finally getting air. You know, Bob, you may not even remember this, but um, uh, as you know, I lived for 12 years, Paul and I in Phoenix. And we made a lot of connections there and family there, friends there. Um, uh, I did a funeral in 
Phoenix, Mesa, actually, Arizona. And it was for a dear friend of mine, his uh, oldest son, uh, was murdered. Uh, he and dad had been riding with the Hells Angels and yeah. and was murdered. Yeah. And uh, I went to the funeral. They asked me to do the funeral. And I showed up in Phoenix when we got into the mortuary. The, the, the coffin was draped in the flames of hell. Oh, and it was all about the party in heaven. And boy, his name was Daryl. Daryl's in heaven having a party. We can't wait to be there and join him. And and these are people that knew better. And I and I, I went in and I just told him, I said, you should be ashamed of yourself. And I did, and he told me I could say anything I want. The dad, my yeah. friend, yeah. that's why we asked you anything you want. And so I had the opportunity to proclaim Jesus. But it was one of the darkest times of my life. It was so discouraging. And we got out of there and, and I said, Paula, we got to call Bob. And I called and I said, you know, can we just hang out? And you guys, you and Jeannie took us to dinner. And uh, and it was just like a, a breath yeah. of fresh air oh. in a miserable, miserable place. <laughs> let's uh, stop for a moment. I'll come back. I got some questions I want to ask, but let's go to the phones in San Antonio on line one. Doug is calling. Doug, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, good afternoon. Uh, I was wanted to pray for Danielle Sitel, S-I-T-T-E-L, on Google. In her 1387 WordPress, she says... Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, let's cut him off. This is um, This is one of our callers who... Doesn't tell the truth about who he is. He keeps changing his name. And for one reason or another, he wants, uh, he has a message, uh, but fortunately he has no microphone. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Uh, Bob, Poimon Ministries, you talk about what you do. Yeah. Uh, but describe the pressures that are unique to pastors that you come into contact with pastors that you are trying to help? Well, I think the the reality of what it looks like before you jump in and the reality of what it looks like day to day, um, especially after you go and, and uh, you're faithfully setting things up, you're faithfully teaching, you're faithfully... Uh, caring for people, praying for people, going to hospitals, even going to jails and prisons and all. And, you, and you're doing all the outward things. But sometimes there's these expectations that are deep down on how things should be after a while and what they should look like after a while. And you can become um, uh, just as discouraged because your expectations that you thought were at least reasonable and spiritual aren't even close to being met and and there's this sense of self um, um, condemnation where you put on yourself like you know maybe I'm just not called it should be doing something better and to be able to have another brother or a sister in the case of my wife just sit down and say you know, let's think this through. Uh, let's get some perspective. Um, the ministry is about people. It's not about your your what it looks like on paper. It's all relational. It's all very much with people. And it, and because it's people, it it's fluid. It changes. It keeps morphing. Um, you can't just be static. Yeah. Uh, it, and so, even spending time with them and just. Um, opening your heart and praying with them and and helping them breathe a little, taking them out to dinner and just having a, um, an enjoyable time as friends um, has been been huge. Yeah, yeah, good. Let's take a phone call and then we will uh, come back. I got a follow up question I want to ask you on that. We've got Charles calling on line one also from San Antonio. Charles, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, Pastor, how you been? I've been well, Charles. How about you? Oh, doing good. I got a question. Okay, you say you're in Houston. Uh, are you going to be uh, teaching this Sunday, or who, who's going to be teaching? I'm going to be teaching Sunday. Okay, just wanted to make sure. All right, Laura and I will be there this Sunday morning. <laughs> oh, God bless you, Charles. Thank you very, very much. All right, you, Three, be, you be safe. Uh, we'll see you there. Okay. 
340-9585. I'm, one, I'm getting old, but I'm one of the hardest guys to get out of the pulpit, Bob, in the world. If, <laughs> if, if I'm in Chan, I, I, in 24 and a half years, I've never missed a communion Sunday with my church. Sure. That's, that's where I belong. Yeah, and sure. It's just one of those things. Yeah. Appreciate the call, Charles. Um, Bob, one of the, the follow-up question. You said questioning, people questioning their calling. One of the things that has always intrigued me, and, and I don't mean in a positive sense, it's just I don't really understand it. Um, the number of men who are called to do what we do, yeah. and yet because of circumstances they start to doubt their calling. You know, we, we moved halfway across the country from California to, to San Antonio, you went to Phoenix, and then you moved after yeah. selling everything yeah, to the yeah. UK. The, the one thing that you have to know before you take those steps is your calling, and yet the enemy right, is right. so strong. And, and it's so easy to look out and around at circumstances instead of looking up that we, we find a lot of people say, oh, maybe this isn't God. I think it all deals with expectations. Do you deal with that a lot? Well, yeah. It, it's, and some of them are so subtle, uh, you don't realize until after a few years when it starts uh, gnawing at you in the background and, and you're thinking, where's this coming from? And now, quite honestly, you've got the spiritual warfare aspect where the enemy is just going to, you know, bring up everything negative and mm-hmm. and try to drive you out. Uh, but but there's also other people's expectations when they think, well, things ought to look different than this. And, you know, people that are your friends in that area and they're wondering how come it's not like my expectation of what I thought it should do. And so you get hit from a lot of angles. And that's why, you know, for the pastor, really um, keeping himself in the word and keeping himself really honest with the Lord on a regular basis uh, and just processing, working through things. When you neglect your prayer life, when you neglect that time of devotions, it's easy to start losing perspective and... um, you start taking on a business model instead of a true ministry mm-hmm. model, the ministry of Jesus. Uh, do, do you agree that uh, this this whole idea of a business model um, is at the root of a lot of our problems in our church culture? We forget that the, the ministry, that the people are the point. Yeah. And and our job is to first to minister. You know, we just heard uh, Ed Taylor, the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado, uh, in the message that he's giving uh, talk about about faithfulness rather yeah. than success right right and the business model sort of turns that upside down oh, yeah uh, and, and 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 you see a lot of those people when the church doesn't grow immediately or when there's a church in a town that is growing and yeah. nothing that they they try works and meets those expectations they they just often just give up well you know we had a, a situation in north phoenix where you know we'll talk about it in a bit um we had a situation where another church, another Calvary Chapel, came in about a mile and a half away, and the Lord put His Spirit upon them in a huge way, and they just exploded. And a lot of people from our church ended up going over there because it was action-packed. Yeah. The pastor had a evangelistic calling. People were coming to Christ, and uh, we went from like f- over 500 down to 180, and I had to lay off staff and do this and you know, everything starts imploding, and then I wanted to avoid it um, because I had to drive by it every day. I had to drive (laughs) by their church. And so I I said, I'm not driving by that anymore. And the Lord says, you are driving by that. You're not changing your route. As a matter of fact, every time you drive by, going to the office and coming back, you're going to pray for them. And, you know, once a week, you're going to stop in and see how they're doing. And... um, (laughs) That, that was hard. Yeah. You know, that just revealed a lot of junk in my yeah. life. So uh, that's another story, though. Uh, yeah. We'll let that go. Let's break for a, a phone call, and then we'll come back and finish the conversation. Uh, we've got Anonymous calling on line one. Anonymous, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hello, Pastor Brian. How's it going today? It's going well, Anonymous. Can't wait to get back home to San Antonio tomorrow. Well, hopefully I have a safe trip now. Good, thank you. Okay, Pastor, uh, I have a question for you, sir. We all know as a Christian community that once we're born again, all the things that were going on before we got born and saved again is is now in the past, okay? I understand that much. But um, I'd like to know, like, when we get to heaven, 
where we have anything at all to worry about. I'll listen to your response over the radio, sir. Charles, thank you. You know, um, one of the things that is common for me, uh, I call it a brain swipe. I think when we get to heaven, uh, all of the old is gone. And one thing we have to understand that heaven is a completely new order of things. We're not going to think about things there the way we think about them here. We're not going to be plagued with guilt. We're not going to be plagued with condemnation. Um, Fortunately, in our new glorified, resurrected bodies, um, all of the tears wiped away, all of the pain, all of the sorrow gone. Um, We're going to become so completely different that it's impossible for us to understand. But here's what I know for sure. I know that when I look at that face shining like the sun in all of its brilliance. When I hear that voice, it sounds like the voice of many rushing waters. Call me by my new name in a way that I can't describe to you, Charles. Uh, I'm sorry, Anonymous. Uh, in, in, in a way that, that's impossible really to understand in this order of things. Um, we will understand that we're completely new. No evil thoughts, no condemnation. No spiritual attacks will be looking into the presence of of pure holiness and we will share in that pure holiness. And it's something that we can understand. Bob, give us your take on that. Yeah, it's, you know, Jesus said to him that overcomes, I'll give him a white stone and on the stone a name written that no one knows except him that receives it. Obviously, Jesus would know it. So it's you and him. Mm-hmm. And what's kind of fascinating is to see how the Lord dealt with Peter, but his name was Simon. But the Lord said, your name shall be Peter. And Peter means a small stone. And it repres- that name represented the work God would do in him. But all the rest, there's only three times in the Gospels where Jesus actually called him Peter. All the rest of the time, it was Simon, Simon, son of Jonas. But those those three times were very important. That's something to look up and just kind of ponder a bit of why during those three times he, he called him Peter. But the word Peter represents the work that the Lord would do in him. And I think for each of us, the Lord has a special name for us that we're going to find out when we get to heaven. And that name's going to represent what he's done in us during this time here. Mm-hmm. And anonymous, you will not be anonymous. On that day, you will be known fully by the Lord and you will look into those eyes and receive rewards and he'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Anonymous, thank you. Your calls and your questions are always interesting. You know, Bob, it's so difficult for people like us in this time and space dimension to describe things that the Bible is vague on uh, intentionally, uh, to, to describe things that we can't uh, even begin to understand. And yet what's happened in the, in the absence of, of clarity is we've let this world paint a picture of heaven as just being boring, boring, sort of floating around on clouds, yeah. listening to angels play harps. And every day in heaven, every minute of every day in heaven will be a completely unique experience. There won't be any boredom. There won't be any questions. It will be as as our questions are being answered, we'll realize that we didn't need to have the question in the first place. Yeah. But that's what heaven is going to be like. Uh, and, and Anonymous, the Lord, he's going to swipe your brain um, and and you'll think more clearly than ever before. And um, again, looking into that face is all we need to look forward to. Great question. Yeah. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. We've got just a little bit over two minutes left in this half hour of the program. Um, Bob, would you for me talk about the the Poimon motto, sort of strengthening pastors to strengthen churches? Yes. Yeah. The word poimen, or actually poimain, um, that word is a Greek word that's used for the word shepherd or pastor, and so the name was just used to. Uh, identify our desire to come alongside other pastors and to strengthen them, to encourage them, to help them in their uh, marathon. Because it really is not a sprint. It's just a marathon. And there are seasons when you get 
uh, you know, you fall down on the corner and, you know, some track coach, uh, if, <laughs> if, if they're, if their long distance runner falls down and he's, and he's just sitting on the curb kind of moping because he skinned his knee, it's like the coach <laughs> is going to say, get up. Would you just get up? Come on. That thing's not over. But I'm hurting. Yeah, I'm tired. I'm yeah, discouraged. Look at the blood. Yeah. I can't believe it. Now, come on, get up, you know? And so, there are just that encouragement. Uh, sometimes it's to speak uh, hard truth, you, you know, just to be real and to say, look, you signed up for this. And it's time to, uh, the small print was um, anytime, anyplace, anywhere, anyhow, I'm yours. You, you signed that card. <laughs> do, you think, do you think, Bob, sometimes um, a church doesn't grow, the pastor's discouraged, and he gets down in the dumps, start worrying more about the problems than the than the opportunities that the Lord has given him. Uh, sometimes we learn that, that the heart of the pastor has to be revealed yeah. and cleansed yeah, yeah. before God can actually do the work that He wants to do. Yeah, yeah, Amen. So it, it's it's a hard thing. We have, I think, we're ready to go. There we go. There's the music. Uh, this is the word to stand up for life. My special guest is Pastor Bob Claycamp, a good friend of mine, uh, a man who has been faithful. And we've got some more questions for him on the other side of the break. We'll still take yours. 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. This is the word to stand up for life. We'll be back in two minutes. Back to the Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the program. 30 minutes left in our week. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. My guest is Pastor Bob Claycamp from Poimon Ministries. And... Um, I've known him since he was the pastor of Calvary Chapel in North Phoenix uh, and uh, pastored a church in the UK, which is a, a task in and of itself. Completely different spiritual climate oh, in yeah. Europe, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. It, what it surprised is. you the most? What surprised me the most was uh, the, the reluctance of so many believers to take steps of faith into areas that they hadn't been used to. Um, every step of faith involves risk. There's an element of risk involved. And it's safe just to say, well, I only want to do what I'm used to doing and to try to lead them into the adventure of walking um, and taking some steps of faith and some risks and launching into some new areas uh, just to help them along with that process. Mm -hmm. It was a little slower than I anticipated it being. You know, Bob, we did, I was sharing with you before the program began, we did an outreach, uh, five days in Scotland and six days in London. We took a bunch of people, just hit the street, sharing Jesus and yeah. and um, um, made it an event and, and people were getting saved. In Scotland, um, we're at a Calvary Chapel there. And you know, you're from a Calvary Chapel here, you go over there and you just think it's kind of be the same. It's so different. Yeah. And as we were out in the street sharing with people, um, we would share with the, the people that nobody wanted, the drunks and sure. the drug addicts, yeah. and, and, and the cops would come because they were afraid we were going to get beat up and stuff like that. Well, when I preached that Sunday in that church in Scotland, 175-year-old church, it, it, it oh, was a, Motherwell. Yeah, yeah. Motherwell. It was yeah. a neat, neat experience for me. And um, um, uh, our team had been out in the streets, some of the people that we'd been sharing with and who made professions of faith came to church, yeah. and the people at the church didn't want them there. Oh. It was like, th th those aren't our kind of people. What did you bring them? Yeah. And basically, my message turned into a shame on you. These are the people that Jesus would have gone out. and Now, I do it in a really tender way. I, sure. I, I don't yell. I don't raise my voice. <laughs> so it's not one of those things, not, not a threatening thing at all. But, but, but I wanted them to hunger. And one of the guys, the church was over. And, you know, people come up and they talk to you. And one guy didn't really talk to me. He's standing close enough to listen to others talk to me. But I could hear him saying his, in his Irish brogan, uh, Scottish brogan, I'm not good at, at accents. But he, he just said, 
it makes a man think, don't he? And <laughs> and I thought, okay, well, it's a success if they're thinking <laughs> oh, yeah. about all oh, of yeah. that. that. That's right. Yeah, I I had uh, one of my one of my elders um, said, you need to understand, Bob, that you know when when you present an idea and we think that's brilliant and we say that's brilliant, it doesn't mean we're with you. It just means <laughs> it just means. Sometimes we, sometimes it means we think you're an idiot. <laughs> but when, when we say, well, let me have a think about that, then you need to know that we're, we're tracking with you. <laughs> and you know, it's the same Bible. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an amazing yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the same Bible. Here's, here's a question that, I, that I'd like your input on. And, and remember, um, our audience is not Calvary Chapel. Sure. Uh, so we've got a big, big radio audience. Um, Calvary Chapel, you, you have a ministry to pastors and to their families and yeah. in restoring churches, helping churches get on a solid foundation. Uh, Calvary Chapel is a, one of our distinctives that we're pastor-led church. Right. We believe that God chooses a man, gives a vision to that man, and then by the power of the Holy Spirit, that man uh, ideally does what the Holy Spirit is telling him to do. Right. Um, so, so we take out layers of administration and layers of politics and those kind of things. Um, that is a unique church government structure. It is, yes. Um, not so much maybe in Southern California where everybody knew Calvary Chapel, but certainly when we got to Texas it was, uh, when you got to the UK it was. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think the value is of a pastor-led church? Well... You know, when the Lord calls someone and he puts a vision on his heart to reach a community, then I think that you have this um, opportunity to say, this is, this is what's on my heart. This is what we're going to put together. Uh, you have a leadership team that is together, and it's an accountability team, really. You're not just some uh, monarch or something, you know, going building your kingdom, but it's uh, having people join together under that particular vision. You know, some pastors are called, really, they want to reach out to um, those inner city people. And and so his vision is to reach the inner city. And so it's not going to be a suburbia. It's going to be a rough, difficult kind of ministry. He's set for it. And there needs to be those that come around and I and can warm and identify with that vision that's on their heart as well. And so... Um, even even under that, there has to be the time where there's uh, love and grace and trust that works within that team. It's still pastor-led, but it, it's it's not pastor-dictated, yes. which is a huge difference. Yeah. You know, uh, our experience, um, Bob, we've been here for 24 and a half years uh, at Calvary Chapel, and we were slow to name elders. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bible says don't be... Hasty in the laying on of hands right. of people, pick them. So, so our elders serve as our board. There, there are people in the church. We don't. I don't have an outside board. And um, as the Lord is sort of setting men apart for me over the years to 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 watch and observe. Um, great piece of advice I got from from a pastor friend of mine, David Rosales. He said, before you ever name somebody an elder, you watch his relationship with his wife for six months. Absolutely. See if she's growing, see if she's learning. And I remember that. And and then when I, I, I approached them about the idea of becoming an elder, I told I let them know that your job as an elder is to support the vision ministry that God has given me. Yeah. I want you to let me know if you think I'm crazy. Sure. I want you to stand up for Jesus if I do something wrong or yeah, if I'm yeah, I'm absolutely. in sin. Yeah. But your job is to support the vision for ministry that God has given me. And, um, um, you know, by the time I asked those people, they had grown. We have now six elders, and uh, my first two originals are still elding with me. Yeah. We've lost a couple of elders over the years because they moved job transfers or, sure, yeah. or military transfers, things like that. Um, but we've, we just haven't had any friction in the process. And, and I always think, when I think about a pastor-led church, um, there's no way, for example, we would have been able to have a, a free school. Uh, I couldn't have sold that to a governing board. I couldn't sell that to a congregation. Yeah. There would always be opposition. We're in our 20th year of that free school. We have yeah. a, a, a family practice doctor's office, uh, full, fully staffed um, doctors, nurses, uh, nutritionists, 
Um, uh, and we provide 100% free medical care. We've seen over 30,000 patients in the seven years that we've been open. Yeah. And, and, and virtually every day, somebody gets saved at Malta Medical. Yeah. Um, we have a, a house for women who are in trouble. We have no money. We're a poor church. Yeah. And and all this stuff costs so much money. There's no way I could have sold it. Yet this was a vision that the people in the church caught. Exactly. And and we we they caught it because we stepped out and they began to see the hand of God move. And I think and and I'd be really interested in your perspective on this. I think all too often we get so bound in leadership structure that churches and people in those churches never get to see the hand of God really move. In miraculous ways on their behalf. What do you think? Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, being in Exeter, um, we were about an hour south of uh, Bristol, where George Mueller uh, uh-huh. set up his orphanage. You know, and so just to go there and, you know, be a look at his gravesite. Uh, his two wives are buried there. Not that he was married twice. Yeah. <laughs> at the same time, you know, it was one after the other, and he died a pauper. But he was involved in the Brethren movement. I think you just. Spoke my future, dying a pauper, <laughs> but that's okay. Okay, so so anyway, it's you know he had that vision of uh, of an orphanage uh, for these um, street kids that were just without help, um, and to do it without telling anybody the needs, because he was living that himself. He and his wife were living that way personally for uh, several years before he even presented the idea of that orphanage. But that's, yeah, it's another story. Interesting story with, with um, um, George Mueller. You know, one, one of the things, if you ever want to really feel guilty about your lack of faithfulness, read his oh, bio. But, yeah. but um, uh, Charles Dickens was yes. a fierce opponent yeah. of his ministry at the beginning, knew it was some sort of scam and checked it out and became a believer and a big, yeah. oh, a big supporter. Yeah, Mueller hang, handed all the keys to every room to him. Say you know because because uh, Dickens showed up without announcement, you know without pre-announcement, and they said here take a look, and and that whole thing changed, that changed everything. Hmm. Whew. Sometimes I feel like my faith is really good, and then I read yeah, Mueller, and yeah. I have to start all over again. Yeah. Uh, let's take a phone call. Uh, Ray from San Antonio. Ray, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Okay, I'll give you my name. This time it's Ray. Yeah. Yeah. Ron. Hi, Ray. <laughs> uh, anyway, I wondered, uh, I've asked you personally before, but you really weren't familiar, but uh, your, I think Bob um, is, has, has any familiarity with Rudolf Steiner in as much as uh, relating to anthroposophy. And I, because I was exposed to that a long time ago, because I'm older than you are, <laughs> and and if there's no no comment, that's fine. Yeah. I'll listen on the radio. Yeah, Ray, I'll make and the same comment. I'll, I'll make the same comment that that I make a lot on this program. Um, spend more time on your Bible than you do on the internet, and you'll be richer for it. But Bob, you you don't. I don't know the name. Steiner, no. Yeah, no, don't Steiner. know the name. Thanks, Ray. May I'll look it up. You know what? When I get back, I'll look it up, and maybe I'll have something um, of value to say. Um, Bob, would you talk for a couple of minutes about, uh, especially you're going to churches that are in transition or churches that are struggling, churches that have difficult problems that need yeah. to be dealt with. Um, talk for a couple of minutes about the, the, the marriage in yeah. a pastor's home. Yeah. The effect that it has and the, and the unique pressures on that marriage. Yeah, the. I think the. The dynamic of a uh, pastor and his wife, being involved in ministry, uh, it, it is not just a nine to five. It's a twenty four seven, kind of reality, and going into it. Uh, the pastor's wife can have, have expectations on, on on how things should reasonably go. Uh, the pastor himself thinks that everything is going uh, swimmingly well, and uh, and then all of a sudden he finds out that his wife is is so fed up with 
uh, the children's ministry. She doesn't even want to come to church. And you're going, uh, 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 let's see, how's, uh, but you can't say that. <laughs> but, but, you know, because he's so busy running things, mm-hmm. he forgets uh, what's going on here and he hasn't been listening. And so uh, it, it happens. Yeah. It happens. You know, we're not machines. Uh, things happen. Plus, then you throw, put the kids in there. And the kids, when they're small, they have to be taken care of. They just can't be ignored. And so the pastor's wife can't be involved like she would like to be, or maybe other people have expected her to be. And so there's all this dynamic going on. And just to to take a time out and to to take the pastor and his wife out to dinner and say, listen, you, you know, get somebody to watch the kids, you know, for this time. But let's just chat about the, the realities of... Uh, of this calling yeah you know you embrace it it it's not as difficult as living in some countries where there's constant persecution and fear yeah. of people breaking into your house and and killing you uh, you know let's let, let's gain that perspective let's regroup because you're in this for the long haul together and jesus is okay with you not doing everything other people think you should be doing yeah, you know, you you uh, mentioned Pastor Ed was just talking about this. Um, ministry's done as hard as we make it. Yeah, it really isn't. You know, uh, I, there are difficult circumstances for sure, but uh, it's just a matter. I mean, I, I tell our church all the time. You know, you can say yes to God and just obey Him. I mean, it's it's easy to know what He wants you to do. Yeah, you just have to make the decision to do it. And and I think sometimes, Bob, people get into ministry with the idea that they have a choice. Yeah. Okay, God's going to tell me to do this, um, but but um, uh, if it doesn't make sense, then I won't do it type of thing. <laughs> and yeah. and I, I just think it's so easy to be faithful. A uh, long time ago, you know, one of the things God told us a long time ago is we're never to ask for money. We're never to let our needs be known. There's nothing wrong with churches that do. Yeah. But it was a unique calling because we've sure. got a, a unique ministry. Yeah. And... Um, um, I had somebody come to me one time, this lady with the right heart too. She came to me and she said, but Pastor Ron, my gift is fundraising. And, and, and so why won't you let me use my gift to help you? Because she knew how things were for. And, and here's what I told her. I said, look, and, and this, was, this was a long time ago, so expenses weren't nearly as big then as yeah, they yeah, were yeah. now. And, and I said to her, I said, look, here's what we need. And this is again 10, 12, 15 years ago. Uh, I said to her, if you can come up with a fundraising project that will guarantee me 75000 a month, go for it. Well, I can't do that. I said, exactly. And I can't do it either. So I'm going to let Jesus keep carrying that ball because that's what he's told us to do. And yet there's just so often that we think that we can improvise or that our opinion matters. And all God is asking for is for us to be faithful. Yeah. And I think that kind of pressure, yeah. it's so subtle and we don't realize that's a source of pressure because we're doing the right things. We're we're doing. I've seen so many pastors do what their pastors did, right? Or function right. the way right, they've right. always been taught a church should function, yeah. right? And they completely eliminate faith, yeah, from the process of walking with the Lord. And of course, that's all we're supposed to do is yeah. trust Him. Amen. Amen. We've got. Um, Reuben calling from Seguin on line one. Reuben, thanks for calling. You're on the air. God bless you, Pastor. How are you doing this, this uh, Friday? I'm doing well, but I'm in Houston. Can't wait to get home. Oh, you're in Houston. Oh, okay. I yeah. Didn't, I didn't catch that. And uh, God bless you to your uh, your pastor visitor. I forgot his name. Um, I'm sorry. Bob Claycamp. Uh, uh, he's a pastor? Yes. Okay. Well, he's a pastor's there. pastor. Uh, yeah. Pastor, okay. Well, well we're, God bless you, Pastor. I'm a long time listener, a very long, a very long time listener, and I'm very close to to uh, coming to the church. So the Lord knows my circumstances right now. Um, I have a quick question, and and then I have a prayer request. Uh, the prayer mm-hmm. request is: uh, I have a chronic uh, problem in my body right now. After I had the surgery to reverse the colostomy. Uh, started happening and it's just chronic and it will not stop and uh the doctor doesn't know why and it's getting frustrated frustrating because it's 
it's just frustrating. So uh, may I ask for prayer that the Lord will will uh, stop that chronic pro- chronic problem that I have and in my body and in regards to my body. Um, I normally read the Bible every day, uh, but for the past two days I've been just sick with this chronic problem and been in pain my back, my legs, my arms because of the stenosis that I have on my spine, and uh, I just, I just, you know, just been laying in bed and, and I haven't read the Bible, and, and, and because of legalism, I'm blaming legalism, and I'm hope that's I'm hope I'm blaming blame on the right thing. Um, the enemy is coming to me and telling me, you know, man, that's how much you love the Lord, that you're going to let the back pain in your body and the back pain in your arms and all the pain that you have keep you from reading the Bible. Man, how much do you love the Lord if you're not even reading the Bible? You look what he did for you, and I'm just like, oh, my God. You know, and then I get, I start feeling guilty. And then I start asking God to forgive me about 100 times a day to forgive me. You know, and and I I haven't read the Bible in two days, so I mean I know that this is a stupid question, but is God mad at me because I haven't read the Bible mm-hmm. for the past two days? And I mean, it's I don't, I'm like I said, I'm I'm gonna blame legalism because <laughs> that's what I was taught. And then the last question, which is I think it's gonna be a pretty easy answer. Uh, uh, in Enoch, I believe that's how, that's how you pronounce his name. He never died, correct? Mm-hmm. He he just went. The, the Lord just took him straight up to heaven. Yes, sir. Okay, my question is: Is he in his earthly body, since he didn't technically die of human circumstances, that God just took him? Is he in his earthly body, or is he in his glorified body? And I'll listen to you on the app that I finally downloaded. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Ruben. God bless you. Hey, hey, Ruben, let me deal with the first thing first, and then then Bob and I will tackle the Enoch question. It's a great one to consider. Um, if you'd have been reading your Bible, and I'm going to tell you today to read your Bible. Um, if you if you can't read, concentration because of pain, things like that, get an audio Bible. You can. Uh, I've got a U version on my iPad, and it talks to me, so I can I can push the audio button, and it will read to me, and and ask the the the, the audio to to read to you Second Corinthians, uh, chapter twelve, um, where Paul dealt with exactly the same issue. Uh, I pleaded with the Lord three times to remove this thorn in the flesh. We don't know what the thorn was, but what we do know about it, it was physical and it was terrible and it brought him to his knees. And that's where Jesus spoke to him and said, my grace is sufficient for you. And, and a lot of times, especially with the help of an enemy who wants to destroy us, what we find ourselves doing is, is saying, well, I don't feel like doing it. And then the enemy will come in and condemn you. I've told you before that there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Every time guilt attacks, it's the enemy. You want to deal with the enemy by just shushing away. I, I'm not going to listen, Lord. I'd rather listen to you. But to hear him, you've got to be in the word. You have to read it with your eyes. I'm visually impaired, so Paula reads to me. You know my story, and um, um, but 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 it's my lifeblood. And when you least feel like reading, is when you need to read the most. When you least feel like praying, that's when you need to pray the most, crying out to the Lord. So, uh, woeing about your circumstances, let the Lord strengthen you. Now, don't feel guilty. That's not the reason you read the Bible. You read it because the, the uh, theme, Bob, of our conference is refuel. Mm-hmm. And when I'm hurting, I need to be refueled. It's yeah. like I'm empty and I need to be refueled. Yeah. So, Reuben, we are going to be praying for you. And you know this audience prays. So um, you're going to be getting a lot of people to pray for you. And uh, I'll let Paula know she's actually in the conference right now, not listening to the program for the first time in a long time. But... Um, uh, we will be praying for you. I appreciate the call. Bob, what about Enoch? What do you think is Enoch's? Well, it just says the Lord took him. And um, we know that uh, Elijah was one that got carried up in a chariot. But uh, he also appeared and disappeared at the transfiguration. And so the question would be, well, if Elijah was taken up and he didn't, 
uh, his physical body wasn't left behind. There he is at the transfiguration he, in a glorified way. So um, it leaves us to believe that uh, I don't think there's any specifics where we have to be hard and fast with it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think the one thing we can know for sure, you know, his body as it as it was on earth, um, wasn't fit for heaven. So there had to be a change. And when Elijah and Moses were on the Mount of Trans- Transfiguration, uh, Jesus hadn't yet ascended to heaven. So yeah. certainly th- th- that was the body. That, so I'm assuming that's the kind of body that Enoch would have had as well. Uh, Reuben Enoch's situation is is um, uh, really, you know, Enoch was alone in this world. Uh, for 65 years, he was like everybody else, lived in a world completely and only given over to evil. And uh, and, and then he got the message, with the message from God about his son. When he dies, it will come. And uh, and he was converted instantly. That's, a, that's as, as clear an Old Testament, New Testament conversion as you're going to find. Uh, and, and it says for 300 years, he walked with God. Why would he walk with God? Because there was nobody else to walk with. And in that world that was on the verge of being condemned by a flood of judgment, Enoch was noted as a man who pleased God. And uh, that's what we need to be in our time we have left before Jesus comes. He's coming soon, I hope. Amen. Yep. Bob, anything else you want to say today? No, it's been very good. Thank you for inviting me to share. You're welcome. This has been the Word to Stand On for Life. A couple of quick notes, a reminder. Uh, tonight at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio, uh, Pastor Brian Jones will be teaching. Uh, you will be blessed. He's got a voice that is exactly the opposite of my Winnie the Pooh voice. You'll be blessed. And uh, hope to see you there. I'll be back on Sunday. And, of course, next week I'll be back on AM 630 The Word. KSLR. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Go to church this week looking to be an answer to somebody else's need. We love you. God bless. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is on every weekday afternoon at four. And Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.